0: Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. I have Leah Niederthal with me from Smart Gets Paid. And there's so many things we could talk about today. And so I'm going to let Leah uh, introduce herself. But you know, it was one of those happy problems to go like, what am I going to talk to Leah about? Because there's so many things on the Hourly to Exit journey that we could talk about. But First, I want to let Leah introduce herself, and then I want to dive into today's topic.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me today. So I'm Leah Niederthal. I'm the founder of Smart Gets Paid, and I help women run profitable, predictable consulting businesses. And in my world, that means being able to attract more of the right kinds of clients into your business and get paid dramatically more for your work so that you can run a profitable business and have more time for yourself and you're running the business instead of the business running you. And I do that through some programs that I work with women on. I have a podcast called the Smart Gets Paid Podcast where I'm sharing strategies. But you you and I have a very similar goal. We go through it in different ways, which is how can we help women run the businesses that make them money and make them happy? and uh, help them also grow as business owners and as people. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, you know, I have followed you, Leah, for some time, and I've also worked with her in her programs. Obviously there's the very practical stuff of increasing our revenues, but one of the things that I really connected with Leah about is kind of the softer side and some of the softer skills of running a business and being a woman in business. And so Absolutely wanted Leah to be one of the first guests on the podcast. And I was thinking about what we would talk about. And then Leah wrote a newsletter at the end of March uh, where she addressed the expertise-humanity scale. And so basically that is, you know, how do we show up in the world like in public and social media, speaking, in our writings, uh, with our clients? You know, are we more on the expertise scale, like what we know or the expert? Versus the humanity scale, like who we are, you know, outside of our expertise. And then she confessed that she's, you know, had some trouble over there hanging out on the expertise side. And it really resonated with me because I have struggled with this mightily. And I was struggling with it, you know, absolutely when when I met Leah. And so, you know, for me, I graduated from law school in 1992, which is just 30 years ago, people.
1: It was just yesterday.
0: Yeah, so yeah, we well, I'll tell you how long ago it was. You know, it was back when name partners were still alive. You know, and you know, well, the firm I was at, old school law firm in San Francisco, and yes, literally one of the name partners was still alive. He was like 90 years old, smoking his cigar, and you know, you weren't supposed to smoke inside anymore. I had to wear a suit with a skirt and pantyhose and the whole thing. And casual Friday meant a pantsuit, did not mean, you know, chinos. And You know, very frequently, I was the only woman in the room. I was almost always the only person of color in the room. And I was absolutely always the only Black woman in the room. And not any part of my humanity (laughs) came with me. (laughs) Let's just say it was all on the expertise side. And I have pretty much stayed on that side. And it's been fine, you know, my decades as a lawyer. But it's really became a problem when it carried over into this transition as I'm working with female founders of expertise based businesses is still trying to hang out on that expertise side, which is why I really wanted to talk about this. you know I had a conversation about exits and you know I'm thinking you know multiples and you know valuation blah, blah blah. And she's like, well, you got to think about you know the way people feel about it. I'm like they care about that. <laughs> I'm like, yes, they do. And so it has affected my voice, you know, kind of trolling visos, and, you know, my love affair with Mackenzie and, uh, but I'm still, it's still pretty scary for me. I still self-edit a lot. Like just this week, or something I'm like, nah, I ain't posting that. So I really wanted to dig into this today with Leah, because I know if I'm struggling with it, I know other women are struggling with this as well. So tell me about that newsletter post, what you were struggling with how we got here.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, and I have to credit a coach that I worked with. So there's a woman named Jessica Zweig, who's a great, a brilliant branding strategist. And she wrote a book and as an agency and all of that, she was a client of mine to learn how to sell and how to You know, increase her revenue, get better clients, et cetera. And when I wanted to focus on my brand, I knew exactly who to go to. So I went back to her, and she's the one who introduced me to this concept of the expertise humanity scale. Mm -hmm. So the newsletter that I wrote was about how I went to visit my parents after two years of, you know, the pandemic, not having visited them. I had seen them, but not you know, flown with my son and my wife to see them. And now that I was back, as it always happens, you are flooded with like nostalgic memories and all of this stuff. And uh, while I was there, we, you know, we went in the middle of the week. So I had planned to do a LinkedIn live on that Thursday, as I often do on various topics related to selling. And I thought to myself, well, you know, these such cute pictures of me from growing up. I mean, I was a pretty cute kid. And so what if I just like showed one on camera, right? Like little baby picture of Leah. And so I did. And I, you know, I, I, I don't remember exactly what I said on the live, but I was reflecting afterwards thinking, wow. I mean, I was giving myself a little credit for coming further along on the expertise, humanity scale towards the humanity side. So you're right, the expertise and humanity scale, imagine like a, you know, on one side of the scale is just pure expertise being known for what you do and what you do in your business, what you did in your career, right? And on the other side, the complete opposite side is humanity, right? Like who you are, how you feel about things, just who you are outside of your business. And like you, Erin, like I had spent all my time on the expertise side, Right, I felt super, super comfortable there because I'm a total like Type A overachiever, right? I think about starting in school, right? You do good work, you get good grades. That's how you unlock opportunities, right? And then in our careers, we put our heads down, we do great work. Unlike the way men are conditioned, right? We don't toot our own horns. We don't mm-hmm. have to sh- go out and shake a thousand hands to like build our prestige. We do great work, and so that serves us really well i mean to some degree could be argued right but it serves us fairly well in a corporate world but when you start your own business and people are hiring you not just for your skill set but they actually have to like know you a little bit and i had to really try hard to pull myself off of the pure expertise side and so i sort of vacillate between sides but it's a journey right but it's absolutely critical if you're going to run a business as a woman founder, yeah,
0: and you do help women have visibility on LinkedIn and use LinkedIn as a outreach tool. So when we think about LinkedIn, and I know certainly you know the changes in the word count in the last year, so people are putting a lot more content on there, and people understand the value of it and are doing more. This is definitely my struggle: is that balance between the expertise side and the humanity side. Is there? kind of a rule of thumb about like where we fall, what's too much, you know, if it's a professional network, what's too much?
1: Yeah, that's a hard question to answer. Let me sort of look at it in a different way. So a lot of us, especially when you first started out your business, you're getting clients through referrals, right? Probably people that you knew in the past or maybe you worked with or they've gone on to different companies or you know what have you people who you have some type of relationship with. And that lasts for maybe 18 months to two years. you know you can with a lot of effort, you can keep that going. But if you think about it, when you start your business and when you're running your business, you no longer work with a lot of people in an office who get to know how good you are at what you do, right? And so there's just a limit to like the number of people we can have a career with, especially when we're not having a career in a big company. And so we have to find a way to replicate that same getting to know you, right? Right. Some people really like to do that at events. Of course we haven't had any events in the past few years, but like doing that through networking or what have you, but a lot of us don't either like to do that or can't do that or just are limited, what's available to us or we wanna take advantage of. So I think about LinkedIn as not just like a social network or a professional network or whatever, but LinkedIn, if you have a strategy to get visible on LinkedIn and know what to say and how to say it, LinkedIn essentially replicates that process of, we get to know each other. I know that you're good at what you do. We have some type of like friendly relationship. It replicates that at scale. So you're having that with a lot more people who are reading your posts and following along and understanding the value you provide and who you provide it for. So if you look at it like that, then you have to have a mix of that expertise and humanity. Imagine if you worked with somebody who never let you see any part of themselves, like it was only about the numbers or it's only about the strategy or the documents or whatever, right? And never mentioned anything about, well, you know, what did you do this past weekend? Or anything personal. It would be really hard to have a relationship with that person, even on a cursory level. The same thing happens on LinkedIn. If you're only talking about the work, Or the strategies or the tips or whatever, and you're not showing any part of yourself, then people will know that you are very good at what you do, but they may not have that personal connection, that personal affinity. So, back to your question is there a rule of thumb? Not really, but you have to make an effort to show a little bit. You know, start with, let's say if you're posting three times a week, start with one post. Every other week should be about the personal and really there are ways to drop in personal hints throughout. So I always tell people start small, right? You don't have to talk about your biggest trauma in your first LinkedIn posts, but can you share a little bit within the context of some expertise? How did you start to weave that in? For me, it was mostly about wealth in the hands of
0: women can change the world And I had a lot of resistance even around declaring, you know, working with women is that not just from a niche perspective, but from a is that antagonistic perspective, right? And so will I turn people off? Will they be offended by it? And so that was kind of my first step. And I will say, I'm trying to think if I've ever done anything that was kind of borderline vulnerable.
1: I I don't think I have, actually. That's still part of my
0: my journey there.
1: Yeah. I think it's a part of everyone's journey. I think the biggest hurdle that I overcame, I think it was my newsletter that became a LinkedIn post or whatever it was that was the biggest mental hurdle for me to overcome was I posted something about, it was like when I got married, mm-hmm. but I got married to a woman, which is like, you don't see that every day in a professional context. Mm-hmm. And I was worried. I was like, I'm going to get trolled. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get doxed. Mm -hmm. Right. Everybody's going to come for me or whatever. All my clients are going to hate me. And so I put it out there and everyone was so excited, supportive. You know, I started hearing from people who had been getting my newsletters, who either were a member of the LGBTQ community, or they had family members or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was a signal for me that not only should I do stuff like that, right. I should do more of it. And Mm -hmm. I just realized like if people didn't spark to that or mm-hmm. they had a problem with that, then mm-hmm. they're gonna hate working with me. And it's mm-hmm. just best that they unsubscribe, mm, right. right? Now
0: you work with women. I mean, you specifically focus on women. Do the same kind of parameters apply when you're not focused on women? Is this something that is specific to a female audience to wanna to talk to them in a more vulnerable, personal way? That's a
1: good question. So I work with people who are primarily selling into companies, right? But even if you're selling into a company, you're selling into a person at that company. And sure, if you provide a little bit more, you know, life color, right? A little bit more humanity, I don't think it's going to hurt. You know, if anything, people feel like they have some type of relationship with you, right? Even if they're watching from afar, what we call lurkers, as you know, and pack your pipeline parlance, but people who are just in read only mode, but at worst, it'll make you more memorable. Right. And no matter what you're in, there's somebody else who does it too, right? You're never the only person who does what you do. So if the only purpose of the humanity is to be more memorable as your clients are evaluating you over other providers, that still contributes to success in the sales process. I like that. Think of it as being more memorable. And I just want to offer that as you have been working with me and following along and, you know, noticed more of the humanity coming through, I would say that I practice controlled vulnerability. Right. That's uh, how I'm sort of referring to it in with my team. And you don't have to show everything. Just because you share something doesn't mean you have to offer everything. And especially if it's more comfortable, like it is for me, to take the humanity and wrap it in some expertise or vice versa. Right, let there be a lesson there. How can you tie it back to the work?
0: All of these things. I like that. So, have you noticed any changes during the pandemic? I mean, I know you did your post about going gray during the pandemic, and so, like, has that resulted in a little bit more of people's personality and humanity coming out?
1: If you're listening, what she's referring to is I did go gray. I stopped coloring my hair, which I'd done for years, and not only did I go gray, I had to, in a process of you know, taking all the color out and replacing it with gray so that I didn't have this crazy transition of hair. I accidentally had a crazy transition of hair because I was blonde for like four months. So I can't hide all the time. Mm -hmm. So I just Mm -hmm. may as well talk about it. And actually I talk about so many things related to selling about referrals and lead gen and pricing and messaging. But to be honest, like the, the stuff about going gray was the stuff that People really had a connection to mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. more than anything else. So mm-hmm. that was also a signal to me, right? Mm-hmm. Have I seen a change? Absolutely. A woman I used to work with said, I guess we don't all have to pretend like we don't have personal lives anymore, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So whether that meant dogs at home barking or children who needed attention or whatever, right? And so I think a lot of people are finding it not only easier to share more of the humanity on that expertise humanity scale but it finding it absolutely necessary not mm-hmm. for some strategic reason but because we need it right mm-hmm. we need it for each other and we need to have that connection at least reading about somebody or sharing about yourself when you can't have that connection in person mm-hmm. yeah for me
0: the pandemic has been a real game changer in terms of how Networking works for me. And I live in a rural part of Northern Virginia, like the exurbs of Washington, DC. And going into the city was just like, you know, that was a day trip. Like you you can just go for lunch or go even getting into town just to go for a drink was like, forget about it. And so I just didn't do that stuff. And and since the pandemic, I've been able to participate in a lot more things that have gone online and then also like get more involved with LinkedIn. And so yeah, I I definitely feel that there's like getting personal online, well, whether it's in writing or by Zoom or by, like has become normalized, I guess, you know, like we're just much more comfortable going there um, than certainly I felt like I was, you know, a couple of years ago. So if there's any silver lining, I guess there's yeah, there's absolutely more connected in that way.
1: Well, and I've also noticed not only are people sharing more humanity, but I think the type of humanity that they're sharing has changed. You'll see a lot more people posting about things like, this is really hard, or I am struggling, or I am burned out, or things are happening in my life that are difficult, right? Whether it's an aging parent or a child who's having trouble. And it's really nice in my view to, especially as somebody who like puts a ton of pressure on herself to do everything right and be perfect and overachieve, right? Like I'm sure a lot of your listeners do, but we know that that's not how real life actually is in our world, but we don't see that in anybody else's world, right? Seeing that now, seeing people talk about it, seeing that other people struggle too. And it's not just the highlight reel anymore is what we're seeing on social media. And I think that that's been really nice. I mean, for me personally, and for a lot of the women I know to say, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to pretend to be perfect. And let's just show up as ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. And uh, yeah, I've been very moved by the things that people have been sharing on LinkedIn and and other places. And it it is, it really makes you feel more connected. and, And I do, I appreciate that. So I imagine women... Don't self identify as having this expertise, humanity scale imbalance. So, what is it like? But I'm sure there is a connection between the work that you do with women and them having some of these mindset issues. So, what are they struggling with when they come to you, and how do you work with them on some of these mindset issues?
1: Um, great question. So, um, a lot of women come to me because their consulting business is doing what they would call okay, but they know that they want it to do better. Up to this point, they've gotten clients through referrals, but they are worried that that's going to go away, or they know that will go away because it always does. And they want to finally learn how to actually get clients. Mm -hmm. Women come to me because they discover what I discovered when I first started my consulting business, which is that it's about a thousand times harder to sell your own stuff than it is to sell or promote somebody else's, maybe what you did in your past career. And this is just a skill gap that they know they need. Mm-hmm. So I teach them how to get in front of the right clients, attract the right clients, fill their pipeline, lead a sales process, charge and get paid way more for their work, right winning proposals, the entire sales process, because unless you were in sales, you don't have a sales background, right? So like I didn't, but you discover that, you know, even if you don't like the selling part, you can actually learn how to do it do it really well, feel comfortable and get paid very well for your consulting work. But in the context of that, I see this expertise, humanity scale. It's like, yeah, nobody's walking in the door being like, I have an expertise, humanity scale problem. Mm -hmm. Right. But once they become aware, then, you know, nearly everyone I talk to acknowledges that they feel a lot more comfortable on the expertise side. Mm -hmm. And in that respect, the expertise, humanity scale itself isn't a problem. It's a symptom of a problem, Mm -hmm. right? It's a symptom of a problem, which is I don't feel comfortable showing up. I don't know how to position my work for value.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I don't know how to lead a sales process and, you know, to sort of take control and guide my clients. Mm -hmm. And I certainly don't know how to price my work for value and get paid what I could be getting paid. So Mm -hmm. it's actually kind of a diagnostic tool, Mm -hmm. just as much as a messaging framework. Mm -hmm. That's great. So one of the things about you, you have sold a business. And
0: so when I have a woman on the podcast who has sold a business, I would be remiss if I did not ask her what that process was like. And if you could share a little bit about tips and what you might do differently the next time.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I'd say the first thing I would do differently is call you first. <laughs> Good. So I ran a few businesses with my former partner, who's also my business partner and romantic partner. And when we split, it was time for me to walk away. And like walk all the way away. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I should have talked to you is because I probably made every mistake of the book. Both of us did, because what Mm -hmm. did we know? Mm -hmm. And I think also, you know, it was to just let's acknowledge that there was a lot of emotion wrapped up in this, Mm -hmm. you know, when you break off an engagement and walk away from the business and all of that stuff. Right. So, you know, we didn't have the right IP protection. I learned a whole lot. And first thing I learned is, I need to call somebody like you. And now that I know you, that's the call. (laughs) Well,
0: they do say that, I mean, to be prepared, because you really don't know when the end will come. I mean, they say, I mean, the business will end eventually. So with or without you, whether you're ready or not, you know, they say, I think there's the four Ds. There might be a fifth one that I'm not thinking of, but like death, disability, divorce, and dissolution. And so are you ready for what will happen under one of those circumstances to make sure that you're in the best position to not be harmed at, at minimum, do no harm. Right. And hopefully be able to also take advantage of the value that you built in the business to date. So, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It. And
1: one of the businesses that we co-founded is uh, still around, still doing very, very well. Um, I don't see any of that because of the sort of poor way that we went about it. But yeah, no, mine was a mix of like not divorce because we were three weeks from getting married and we broke off our engagement, mm-hmm. but it was certainly some disillusionment. In yes.
0: There. <laughs> yes. yes
1: for sure. So I had one and a half of those of those items.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, so, you know, this is the Hourly to Exit podcast. And so we uh, talk about building a service based business that can hopefully be sold someday. And so part of the elements of that are one, having exclusivity in our businesses so that we have assets that we own like our intellectual property that we have protected or we have a unique market position and also that we have predictability in the business so that an acquirer knows that the business can run independently of us and that they can trust those financial projections and so when we think about kind of the smart gets paid process like where does that fit into creating a business that is scalable and hopefully saleable
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that question. So where I play in this world, I mean, there are a lot of like business coaches out there, right? And they're doing all kinds of the businessy business stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, the part that I really focus on is helping women get paid dramatically more for their work and running a profitable business. Mm -hmm. If you're not getting paid enough, if you're working yourself into the ground, if you are at the mercy of your clients and their needs, and you have no boundaries and you're constantly over-delivering, then that's not a business that is sustainable, much less saleable, right? Mm -hmm. So teaching women how to do client acquisition so that your business has revenue, you have Income, you have predictability on that front, so that your business becomes sustainable and attractive.
0: Absolutely, agree one hundred percent. So this is a very meta podcast. You know, I'm a female founder of an expertise based business that I hope to sell someday. And so you're a female founder of an expertise based business. So are you? Are you going to go again? You're going to try this again? Are you building to sell
1: someday? I'd like to. Yeah. I think what I understand about my business now that I didn't in previous businesses is the intellectual property that I'm creating. And I have a much greater appreciation for that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, protecting that, building a platform, helping evangelize what I do, and probably a number of things that I'm not even thinking about that you would have an eye towards. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm building it to help as many people as possible, and then building it to sell. Yeah.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, what we can do with our businesses, one, there's the income to take care of the people we care about now and also to support the causes that we care about, right? There's more than one way to have an impact. And, uh, and also someday, no matter how much we love our businesses, we'll be ready for another chapter. Just like when we raise a kid, we're ready for the kid to go and do something new eventually, and same with our businesses. So yeah, having a plan for our, our next chapter, because there will be one, you know, so, so we want to make sure that, that we're ready for it.
1: Yeah. So. Having an eye towards that, you know, I think is really a, a constant practice, right? Because I'm having fun in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I am. And I'm, I feel, you know, when I see the women that I work with have an incredible win or they're, increasing their prices, you know, five X and they're signing new clients and they're, or they're taking every Friday off or they're taking a three week vacation and they come back to a signed proposal or, you know, all of these things that's, mm-hmm. that's really fun for me. Mm-hmm. And so if I can also, I guess let's make up a new scale. It's the running the business now mm-hmm. scale and the running the business for the future scale. Mm-hmm. So I have to bring myself from the having fun now, if you steps closer on the, um, Preparing for the future scale. Yeah, yeah, it is a balance, but you know the things that help you
0: create a scalable business are the same things that make a saleable business. So, we can we can work on both of them. Yeah. So as we wrap up, I have a couple of final questions for you. As you know, at Think Beyond IP, we believe in creating an economy that works for more of us, and I personally believe that wealth in the hands of women can change the world. So I'm wondering if there is a personal organization. Who is doing work that you admire to help build a
1: more equitable society? You know, I love this question. I a few years ago, around well, this is like before George Floyd and you know all of this. I think this was around like Trayvon. Um, yeah, George Floyd really was at the beginning th- of the pandemic. I think April. Yeah, and Trayvon is yeah. like a lot earlier. But um, mm-hmm. I started reading the story about a National Women's Bailout. And it's a very simple concept coming from a lot of complicated factors, right? Mm-hmm. And systemic factors, but a lot of people are incarcerated for the sheer reason that they can't afford bail, mm-hmm. which to me, it seems like such an incredible injustice, right? And sort of criminalizing poverty. Mm-hmm. And so this organization pays bail, right? It's mm-hmm. simple enough. And so it's always one that I keep coming back to because the promise is so clear The impact is so direct and it makes such a change, right? Like an immediate change in the lives of so many families. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. We will absolutely have that in the show notes. So is there something exciting happening in your business that you'd like to share with the audience? So. The thing that's the most exciting in my life, which will absolutely impact my business is that my wife is expecting. She's pregnant with our second child oh. uh, and due this summer. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. We have a toddler. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Our son, I carried him and now she, it's her turn to to carry our next child. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I'm reflecting on how I prepared my business last time and how I'm preparing my business this time. And it's so different because I know so much more about how to have a baby, uh, what life with the newborn is like, but yeah, that's definitely the thing that's the most exciting and, uh, it's it's happening.
0: Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. And finally, where can people find you?
1: Yeah. So You can always find me on LinkedIn, as you know, Erin, I'm uh, posting all the time. You can find me. Just look for Leah Niederthal on LinkedIn. If you are a podcast person, and I imagine you are, because you're listening to this podcast, uh, check out my podcast at the Smart Gets Paid podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, my website at smartgetspaid.com.
0: All fantastic resources. Thank you again, Leah. This has been absolutely a joy. I've enjoyed having you so much. So much wonderful information you shared with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.